0: Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management. Brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And thanks for joining us on part three of our conversation with Aaron Alexander and Michael Sutherland of Vixo. If you're just now tuning in, make sure you're going back and listening to parts one and two of this podcast so you can get a full picture of the topic. We've been chatting with Aaron Alexander, VP of Client Relations, and Michael Sutherland, VP of Solutions Architecture, both employees of Vixo, to better understand the facility management challenges of today's grocery industry. And more specifically, what are the best practices that grocery industry facility managers should be taking to heart, and how should they implement those in practice? Let's go ahead and get into part three, the final piece of our conversation on facility management challenges in the grocery industry with Aaron and Michael. All right, I want to present one more common challenge that has been uh, on definitely my radar for a while now, has been on grocers radar for a while uh, pre-COVID, but uh, you've sort of mentioned it. I don't know. I think strategy around it is continuing to evolve, but really what I'm talking about here is the creation of an intentional customer experience while at the same time looking to cut costs and balancing those two things at the same time. Brick and mortar establishments, retail, grocery, everything in between, have been grappling with the fact that you know e-commerce, delivery, they all make things more convenient. And that is changing the role of brick and mortar. It's not killing it. It's just changing the role. And that role change is... If we're going to be a physical establishment, there has to be something we offer beyond just the convenience of purchasing our product. It has to be something else, a customer service, uh, engaging experience, something that gives you a cutting edge. But for a grocery store especially, bottom lines are tight and they can't just be throwing money at endeavors that they're not sure are going to improve the experience for their customers and actually turn into something that has ROI. So how are you seeing grocers balance this in today's economy? This idea of reimagining the customer experience in brick and mortar? but also trying to stay afloat and continue to cut costs? And is the idea of reimagining the customer experience even something that should be linked to cutting costs? Does everything have to have an ROI for it to be worth it? What are your thoughts?
1: I think the common words that always come to my head is um, when we talk about it, what we did is not going to work anymore, what we've always done, right? And our strategy that we thought we would have in the next three, six, nine years um, even the next 12, 18 months is no longer there. So I think I can tell you from our current clients and the discussions we've had is it was a pause and reflect and then rebuild. So we've even done this internally at Vixo, right? We've had to re-look at our whole fleet and 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 do things differently. When you talk about something different, it's kind of a step and follow with the groceries of what I've seen. And a lot of it goes back to, which I touched on before, is quality of product or the product that the consumer wants. So I think a lot of focus has been put into these stores is not only, you know, everyone has the grocery pickup now. That was the big thing. Um, Even the grocery stores that didn't have it before this happened, it was so amazing to see how quickly they got on board to do it and how much investment they actually put in to make it happen, where they may have planned to do that a year from now. Especially some of the smaller grocery stores that we even have in our backyard here. They never had it before and all of a sudden now they do. When you talk about cutting costs, I actually think it's the exact opposite. Um, the grocery, because of the revenue stream that they have been able to have versus a retailer brick and mortar bigger store, they've been able to invest those dollars into making those differences so the consumers will come to them. Um, the consumers nowadays today, um, with everyone at home, um, you know, I can speak to my home specifically, I have two teenage boys that eat me at of house and home. So when I'm okay. going to the grocery store, I'm looking at things before as, okay, we used to buy this, but now I need double of this because we have this many meals planned where before they were either at sports or with a friend or, you know, different things. And you take that across all of our consumers. um, When they're coming to these stores, they want the product they want, they want the price they want. We touched on this before about pivoting and constantly changing your SKU and your inventory and your locations. So setting yourself aside, and Michael, maybe you can share a little bit of what you've been seeing, but I think it's a, it's a constant evolution right now. We're learning as we go what's bringing the consumers in because every day a different message is going out to our consumers about what the pandemic is doing, what the impact is to them in their home lives, you know how it's affecting their children themselves. Um, a lot of it's being pushed from the media that's giving that drive to either go out or stay in, to sit to say, I'm going to invest this to make a change. I don't think our grocery stores, you know, they're, they're doing a change almost weekly sometimes as they're in their discussions about what they're doing. They're coming to us and saying, what do you think about this? Or what if we add, you know, this inside our entrances, or can we shut down our sliding doors on this side and make custom signs that they only come in this way. So we have, you know, signs on the floor, you know, should we add more of those or, you know, what about our lighting? Should we make it brighter in here? Should we make it less? There's so many different things that they're looking at to make that customer experience better. But from a grocery perspective, a lot of it goes right now, they're focusing on quality of inventory, what they can get in the doors and what they can actually move off the shelves versus what used to sit there for that assortment before. Maybe, Michael, you can share more about what you've been seeing.
2: When it comes to intentional design, it gets back to me to what do I want to be as a brand? There are grocers that we work with who have created kind of like curated dining spaces that are kind of mothballed for right now. And with that, they had self-service and like full service buffet style. So you would go there for lunch. You might even be able to grab a beer. I think there's a, a, a few places where you can do that. So that's kind of changed. Your beer is even to go, which was never heard of before. Um, but I think they're making more investments and have to think about the long-term maintenance and facilities consequences in equipment to do prepackaged meals or like spend a hundred bucks. You get meals for a family of four for two days, and they're already pretty much like cooked and prepped. I see grocers making more of an investment in like common kitchen areas. So if I've got four or five stores serving uh, like a common market, Maybe there's one central butcher shop and one central kitchen by which I can actually prepare food and distribute it to the stores rather than doing it individually in each store. And I think it's it's really finding that brand identity that's going to bring people into the brick and mortar, but also not like balance with our desire for convenience and, and buying online. And I see the successful grocers planning for the long-term Consequences and long-term expenses of the changes that they're making today, and really coupling that with an intentional change to their brand.
1: I think you're bringing up another point too, Michael. I think before the pandemic, there were so many groceries, and you talk about the beer, right? A lot of our one of one of our clients, they have you know bars in their in their restaurants, which is something we've never heard of. That was new and to drive people in, and they are mm-hmm. mothballed right now. But yeah. you also think about the brick-and-mortar grocery compared to our smaller concept or more specific grocery stores that we manage, and it's the clothing lines, it's the home lines that they have, it's toys, it's, um, you know, going in and making sure that I can get everything I need in one stop, I don't have to go to multiple stores. Mm-hmm. That's actually, you know, very intriguing for the consumers nowadays. I've seen a lot bigger push in marketing. So more investment in that piece based on home goods, not even on groceries. We'll see what happens with back to school. We've talked a lot about that. In this market specifically, because we go back earlier, you know, how are they going to drive the consumer in there to pick up those hard goods versus and the soft goods they have in inventory? You know, they have to think of something they already put in the stores before the pandemic because that was a new initiative for many of one of the one of our clients to bring in those soft lines. Some of that 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 margin they're losing because of this product's just sitting. So it's definitely them having to think differently of where they may have wanted to invest in more of those stores like that, that they're not gonna be able to today because of the current situation we're in.
0: All right, Michael and Aaron, to start to wrap up the conversation, I want to take all these insights you've been giving and try to apply them to some action and some day to day strategy that facility managers in the grocery industry can apply, you know, starting today. So what would you say are some of the main best practices that you see for maneuvering all of these different issues that we've broken down and how would you strategically implement said best practices?
2: I guess there are a few different things that I would encourage our facilities managers to do is talk to one another and really talk to experts, not just like VIXO, but talk to different agencies that have kind of done it before. So if you've never had an auto wrapper, learn about what it's going to take to maintain that auto wrapper. Do what you can to parse out. The new job activities that you're having to do, again, like focusing on customer experience, parse them out to key partners to be able to support you and not wake you up at 2 a.m. every night. Wake up Aaron instead, for example. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> but, That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, work with your partners to help field the tactical day to day stuff so that you can focus on the The customer experience would be some of the advice that I'd give to facility managers. What do you think, Aaron?
1: Yeah, so I would say I look in more from the operations and inner, you know, the innards of the the company. So, what I would say to facilities managers is sometimes we get very siloed into our own group. And I think now is a better time than ever to have collaboration within your organization. Um, You know, a lot of times that facilities team doesn't always link with sustainability, they don't always link with the buying teams or the product development teams. And I think there's so many decisions that those teams make that affect the back end of spend that you can, now is a perfect time because it's constantly changing environment in these stores to be able to, before you make a decision to move something or build something or, or change something, that team may or may not already be working on it or decisions they're making uh, when they do investments into the stores, they don't know what the end result is and what it's costing the facilities end. Um so I think with the collaboration between those teams that may not always happen in the organizations before we've had some really great wins just in the recent past couple of weeks about how they tie themselves together and you have more of a cross functional team versus I'm facilities and I'm cleaning up what you may you know or fixing what may you may have put in that may not have worked the best for my operational team in the stores. So I think um, communication um, and going above and beyond in your organization is one of the best things you can do to help the total organization today.
0: You know, if folks want to find out more strategically what some of these steps look like, they can also reach out to the Vixo team, and they can support you during this uh, this crazy time. So, last main question for you to end on a future focused note: as we look to other major changes being tested through the grocery space, such as cashierless stores, app payment, experiential advertising, on-demand grocery pickup and delivery, et cetera, et cetera, how do you see these new technologies and new consumer convenience strategies creating new challenges for grocery facility professionals? And what are some proactive measures that you think they can take to start to prepare for these changes or perhaps avoid them entirely if they don't think they fit with their vision?
1: When they put those investments in for those self-serves, it was to reduce cost. When we come in the current current situation we're in, it's actually increased their cost to serve meaning they've actually had to man those stations. They've actually had to increase um, in the parking lot. They've increased the, the spend to have more spots where people pick up their groceries. So there was a rapid response to add more signing, add more parking lot striping, changing those things. So I think as they move forward, depending on where the pandemic you know lies and what it was gonna tell us we need to do, I think they're gonna continue to see an increase in that that management piece. Because where they thought they were going to gain a savings before, they're not going to get there for quite some time. So I think from a strategy perspective and facilities, um, you know, there's going to be more work to those areas because they are being used and managed more often than they even thought they would before.
2: And I'd suggest as they test some of these new technologies, whether it's dynamic price signs or like the guns where you can basically scan your groceries as you go out or completely cashierless stores, like we're starting to see show up, collect all the data because you can never get it back if you're not collecting it. And don't hesitate for facilities or operations to try and merge together data from maybe you've got foot traffic over here and you've got revenue over here and you've got maintenance costs. Don't hesitate to try and bring that all together to really get a full understanding of what the impact of changes are. If you just look at the maintenance cost of a cashierless system, or just look at the revenue impact, you're only getting a piece of the story. So try and capture as much data as you make changes to the stores and don't hesitate to bring it all
0: together. All right, Michael, Aaron, thank you both so much for your insights on the podcast today. Again, we've been chatting with Aaron Alexander, Vice President of Client Relations and Michael Sutherland, Vice President of Solutions Architecture for VIXO. Thank you again to both of you. Looking forward to chatting again in the future and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you everyone for listening to this VIXO podcast episode. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, learn more about our solutions and our services, or listen to and engage with some more of our content from blogs to articles, videos, and other podcast episodes, you can head to our website at vixo.com, V-I-X-X-O.com. And you can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're subscribing, leaving a rating, and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.